everyone. Hey y'all. Hi. It is Tinseltown Tea episode 53. Oh my gosh. We are Lord Jesus. Just zooming through these episodes. It's it's just wow. But yeah, it's so much fun. I am here. Um, if you, if it's your first time here, first of all, uh, hi, I'm Judith, and this is my beautiful co-host Corey, um, and we are your hosts of Tinseltown Tea. This is where yeah. we invite uh, our listeners to go on a journey with us. We are here in LA. Uh, Corey's in fashion and marketing, and I am in um, podcasting, and we've come together because we are also screenwriters. We're trying to make our way into the writers' room, have our mm-hmm. projects made, and we know that. That's the truth for a lot of people across this country. And so as we learn, um, we basically use this podcast to share resources, go through the news, um, share some inspiring or wise thing that we've learned um, through our journey here. And we also give, um, you know, our flowers to those who are, you know, doing big things, um, past and present, whoever needs to be acknowledged, we just shout them out. Um, And we do that through Mm -hmm. all the different segments. Um, this week's main segment, we are going to be reviewing a movie. And since it's Halloween, we're going to be doing a scary movie, but I'll get that yes. to that later. If you read the description and the title, you know what movie we got to review. But if not, hold on to your, I don't know, seats, whatever they Your britches. That's right. <laughs> hold on to your underwear. Hold on to your savage minty. Hold on to whatever. Victoria's Secret. Are the kids still wearing Victoria's Secret? I remember that was big. Pink? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, pink whatever hold on to your pants because we're going to surprise you when we get there um all right so we love to start off the episode with the would you rather this week i have the would you rather so with that uh corey would you rather have a permanent hairstyle from the 1980s or a permanent hairstyle from the 1920s now I totally made this up, and this connects back to the main segment of the movie we're going to review. So if if you remember the hairstyles from the 80s, or if you need to look up the hairstyles from the 20s, but basically, as we move into the future, you can only have this hairstyle from this, or maybe even hairstyles in this genre moving forward. So, Corey. Okay. What do you so- think? I would definitely do the 80s because the 1920s, everyone had the straight hair or the like the wavy type finger tip, whatever the fuck shit waves. And who got time to be doing all that? Like, who got time to be doing all that straightening and all that foolishness? So I'm going to do the 80s. Yeah. Big good hair. I'm all for that. Nice. Awesome. I would honestly I have to agree just because I think I'm a well okay it always feels like the 80s and the 90s always roll around like trends from the 80s and the oh, yeah. 90s regularly cycle through whereas the 1920s it's like I haven't seen a thin eyebrow or a fucking you know like <laughs> thank god thin eyebrows freaking me out <laughs> right like I haven't seen like you know the Josephine Baker hairstyle in a minute you know what I mean so Usually it just takes a while longer for them. So I feel like in the 80s, like you can have the hairstyle and still be like considered retro. It's just like, it's so crazy from the 80s. Like when it was big, it was so entirely big. You know what I mean? So I can't see around. Oh my goodness. 
so much aerosol, so much bad products for your hair. So yeah, I would do the eighties. I probably, you know, would stay away from Jerry curls, if you will. Um, but yeah. That activated juice, child. Woo. Ooh, Lord. It's so funny, though. I'm, I just typed in, like, 80s hair or hairstyles from the 80s, hairstyles from the 20s. And in the 80s one, it's nothing but white women. <laughs> Honestly. Honestly. I said, okay, so I got to put black at the end. I bet. You I always have to. I forget. Black people. <laughs> the oh, okay, go ahead. Oh. Look at Google's racial and bias. Um, racial bias, I should say. Yep. I always think that is so funny. Yep. If, if Google, I know you're listening, Google, because you're always listening, but letting you know that we're tired of typing black people at the end of something. <laughs> Why can't we be mixed in? Yes. With the with the original results. Come on. But, uh, Come on. Go on. Yeah. That's oh, um, so off topic, y'all. Our bad. <laughs> no, and even on topic, like there was an article I read like a while ago, but like if you type in just pretty woman and like just pretty women like just give me a pic- images of pretty women oh it my god great yeah. white women i don't know if they changed the algorithm because this was a while ago but it's all oh, let me do it like, let me do it no you challenge me i'm doing it pretty women uh, or pretty women watch the movie come up oh yeah it's actually mm-hmm. robert <laughs> um straight white women pretty girl Pretty girl, yep. Yep, yeah. this is, we'll see you. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, fun fact, racism, we see it. <laughs> so annoying. It's everywhere, guys. Sheesh. Yeah. Okay, moving right into our Know Better, Do Better segment. <laughs> We're giving tip, trick, lesson, learn, or whatever that we have learned through our journeys. Mm -hmm. And this is a more technical one because this is something that I just have to remind myself to do. So why not remind you guys? Remember to break up your dialogue when you're writing your script. So I am a dialogue bitch. I love doing dialogue, um, but you just can't have pages and pages of dialogue. There needs to be actions in between breaking up the dialogue so it's not just like people talking when you know so you can be like um joe blah 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 sally blah 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 and then action sally picks up her pencil or something like that so Mm -hmm. it's just like having the characters doing something while they're talking because most people aren't just sitting there looking at each other and talking Mm -hmm. without doing other things like most people do things while they're talking if it's in like a casual setting so yeah always remember to break up your dialogue just put some action in there sprinkle a little action just to keep the scene active and not like stale just dialogue 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 so that's my no better do better because i need to know better and do better that too my damn self so yep hope that helps no that's very helpful and i believe that is also a word for myself as well so yep it is <laughs> so, hard, so hard but i remember guys yep go ahead and remember that so now we going into the news but i think we, we definitely have music for that but why not make sounds as well yes 
So the <laughs> first um, bit of news, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I laughed at this. I feel bad, but not really. Um, so Quibi to shut down just after six months in the streaming game. Like, <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> like, that was so fast, guys. Like, they were, like, in and out. Like, like I don't know. That's like, absolutely crazy. It's like the, the guy that you talked to for six months and, like, it didn't go anywhere, so you just don't even count them as, like, a list oh, yeah, of no, the exes. No. It's like, you don't even count that shit. Like, no. Mm-mm. It's just so wild. So, uh, just so you guys know, again, we are reading most of our news from Shadow and Act, which is a publication that focuses on Black and Brown news in the media. Think of it like a trade, um, just like you have The Hollywood Reporter, Variety, um, Shadow and Act focuses mostly on, again, Black and Brown creatives and new things that are coming out, old things that are being remade, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So shout out to um, Shadow and Act for providing the resource on this. But yeah, so they cite Deadline and Variety, but yeah. So the service was backed by Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman, um, who basically tuned, basically raised $2 billion. <laughs> Like, they got a whole bunch of funding for this streaming service. And I don't know if you guys remember, but from what I remember, they were pulling out all the stops. Like, they released their marketing like, game on 25. Everybody on had a show there. <laughs> it was so wild. And the whole uh, thing that made Quibi stand out was that they were doing, I believe, 10 episodes, 15 minutes each, I believe. Um, I think so. I know they were like 15 minutes. Right. There were short 15 minute episodes. And the idea was to capitalize on people now viewing things on their phone through apps. So Mm -hmm. people consuming a lot more content. Um, And they were making a lot of content. I remember Chance the Rapper had a show and a Kendrick. Yes. Everybody. From um, what's that Game of Thrones. Right. Everybody had a fucking show on there. Everybody had a show on Quibi. But yeah, so um, yeah, guys, uh, it's it's a no go. Um, the service was again only open for six Not months. Not a no go. It's just they were done. Um, and the process of bringing Quibi to a complete stop will take a few months, according to Deadline. So subscribers will be made aware of the end of their services soon. Uh, the end of Quibi unfortunately means an end for many jobs, um, which sucks right now. Of course, in this uh, economy, um, already. Hollywood, you know, which is a competitive industry. And uh, according uh, to Deadline, 200 employees will be let go, which really, that's a- Oh, see, that's not fun. Yeah, it it really does suck. And I think there's a question of, okay, will some of these other shows and ideas be able to even be picked up? You know what I mean? Like, I'm thinking maybe YouTube Red because of some of the shorter content of things, especially if people have already made a lot of, you know what I mean, the, the stuff that won't come out. Um, yeah, like we said before, like we said, Chance the Rap- Rapper had like punked on, they did remake of Punk. Um, Samuel Jackson and Ryan Reynolds had like an animated comedy that was set for Quibi. They had like, you know, Marseille Martin having a talk show called Tiny, uh, Tiny Talk Show. You know, so there's a lot of- could have saw that. I know. So maybe there's a way some of these projects can still be savage, salvaged. Yes, salvaged. That is the word. Um, that can be salvaged and um, maybe put somewhere else. But it'd be interesting to see, given the format that they were trying to go for, and really 
um, going with their idea. They went big with their ideas and, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. You know what I mean? So, you know, RIP, uh, pour one out for Quibi. Um, and yeah, for you girls who um, downloaded the streaming de device, make sure you be on their ass um, about when it gets canceled. And I don't know if there's going to be some refunds depending on how you're paying each month yep. for the service. I see some refunds coming on. In the I, I sense it as well because they were paying some I, I they're probably not gonna refund the money that they gave these stars i mean i'm sure that most of them got like lawyers who are like since you tried it <laughs> we're gonna keep all this money you paid us up front <laughs> you tried <it>. um <laughs> so come on now. So yeah so yeah so that's the first bit of news r.i.p to quibi good idea and sometimes you gotta take a chance and if you have the risk go for it and unfortunately it didn't work out but that's okay I'm sure with everything evolving with streaming, we're going to have new things and, and more stuff and we'll see how everything yeah. goes. Wasn't the right time, I think. Yeah, I think with the coronavirus and everybody at home now, like most people are binging like, you know, 13 episodes, one hours in like a day or two. Like, Yeah, <laughs> it's also another expense when people already have yeah. Netflix, which has everything. They're like, why would I pay for this extra thing to watch 15-minute shows exactly. when I can just pay for Netflix? Yeah, and that's a good point because, like, now it's not just Netflix and Hulu. Like, it's saturated. It's like, oh, NBC was like, oh, girl, we have Peacock. CBS was like, oh, girl, we have uh, CBS All Access. You know, another person was like, oh, we have this, we have that. It's like everybody and their mom got a stream. So it's like, and you want me to pay for all that? No. I might as well. Y'all better bundle pay. up with each other. Merge. Consolidate. <laughs> Consolidate. Stay with me. I was like, did y'all talk to the Hulu people before y'all went under to <laughs> see if y'all could merge, you know, but Thank that's okay. Y'all better be smart, make some business moves. I mean, it might not be too late, you know, but anywho, um, we'll see what happens as we continue in the streaming world. Um, mm -hmm. So the next piece of it, um, news, I think is really, really dope. Um, so NBC is developing Ava DuVernay's Sovereign, and it's the first Native American family drama developed for network TV. And first of all... In 2020? Thank you. I'm like... Because I know, even as a child, I was asking <laughs> myself, Judith, myself. Like, I was like, oh, I don't want to see why we don't have any Native American family. Okay. Uh, like... I mean, let's. I mean, just with history alone, t taking so much from these people, just taking so much. Can we at least give a motherfucking like TV show depicting a family, like a native family? Like, come on now. But again, um, you know, black women always have to fix things. So thank you, Ava. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you again. Um, I pick up the slack for the whole world. You're welcome. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so again, so according to Shadow and Act, uh, this is a pilot commitment for the drama project Sovereign, which is from Ava DuVernay and co-executive produced by Bird Running Water. The pilot was written by Sydney Freeland and Shaz okay. Bennett from a story by DuVernay. Jesus. Um, this marks the first uh, Native American family drama developed for network television. Um, I'm wondering... Okay. That's, first of all, that's crazy. But second of all, I wonder if there's been other stuff developed for like um, 
streaming services or other that I just missed. Um, but I yeah. doubt it. I really doubt it, which is sad, but you know, if y'all know, listeners, let us know. Uh, maybe we missed something. Um, so the project chronicles the lives, loves, and loyalties of a sprawling indigenous family struggling, struggling to control the future of their tribe against outside forces and themselves. The project, again, is produced by Duvernay's Array Film Works in association with Warner Brothers Television. Uh, Freeland and Bennett will executive produce with uh, Duvernay. Um, and yeah, this is a part of Duvernay's Warner Brother uh, group deal, uh, under which she produces owns Queen Sugar and Cherish the Day, the upcoming NBC uh, social family experiment series Home Sweet Home, and more. Outside of this, she's also developing a, a Netflix limited series, Colin in Black and White, um, based on the young years of Colin Kaepernick. So every mm -hmm. time Ava DuVernay hits us with something, especially in the TV realm, you know, there's been critics, especially with The Wrinkle in Time, they said they didn't like that. Usually, when it comes to TV series, her shit's good. Like, it is, it is good. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I mean, it's just facts, period. Like, it's just facts. Um, so I, I think she's gonna, because her shit is good. She does them justice. She does the research. She makes mm -hmm. sure, like, people are represented carefully correct correctly and intentionally and it shows through all of her projects like period so i cannot wait for this to take place i'm glad she's um you know working with people native people to tell their story because that's very important um and it's not just you know mm -hmm. some whitewashed you know version of experience of these characters like we need that mm -hmm. real experience and that highlight and i'm glad ava's doing it and i know it's going to be it's going to be, it, well, I believe it's going to be good, but oh, period. Sure. I believe it's going to be good, period. Um, so I can't wait. I hope it goes through the whole development process because, you know, sometimes stuff be in development for a long time, child, we, it never sees mm -hmm. the light of day. So it's like, never, ever. put this on, put this on the screen, please. Y'all know y'all need content. <laughs> Everybody at home watching this shit, like, come on, stop playing. Stop playing with me. So yeah, I'm excited for this. Uh, Sovereign I'm going to support, honestly, it's a story that I've been waiting for for a long time, like, period, point blank, and I'm grateful that yeah. it's in Ava DuVernay's hands, because I know she's not going to, like, she's not going to disrespect it, and she's going to make sure people, right, the people who need to tell this story will tell it properly and well, so, go off, sis, you know, we always here to support, and I feel like that story is going to be motherfucking good, like, period, point blank. Um, yes. all right. I agree. Mm, sorry about that. Agreed. Uh, next news. Um, Shante Adams cast as co-lead with Michael B. Jordan in Denzel Washington's journal for Jordan. So this is a project, Ooh. of course, Denzel Washington is attached. And the uh, name of the project, again, journal for journal. Three, two, one, one, two, three. Here we go. Journal for Jordan. That's the name of the project. Um, deadline broke the news first. Um, but as is written here on this uh, Shadow and Act article, um, with Washington as the director, the script was written by Virgil Williams, based on Dana Candy's New York Times bestselling memoir, which was pub published in 2008. 
forgive me. I'm about to say 2018, child. That's too close. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> Sony is um, the studio that will be helping to distribute it. And it's based on a true story uh, centering a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, uh, Kanede, Lord help me. I want to say Kande, it's spelled C-A-N-E-D-Y. Okay. Kanandi? Yes. N-E-D-Y, Kanandi. Forgive me, forgive me Kanandi, I'm so sorry, please. But we are so glad your book is being made. Come on, come on, Kanandi. Yeah. Uh, so she, this Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, um, it's about the love affair with First Sergeant Charles Monroe King. And King kept a journal full of poignant life le- lessons for their newborn son, Jordan, while deployed overseas. Unfortunately, he was killed in Iraq in 2006 when Jordan was just seven months old. But his spirit lives on in the messages of love to Dana and Jordan. So that's Aww. really adorable. <laughs> Very tragic and sad, but like, sounds like a, a wonderful and beautiful story to be told. Escape artists uh, Todd Black, Jason uh, Blumenthal, and Steve uh, Tish are producing with Washington and Jordan. So I'm excited um, to see what happens. Um, I believe Shante Adams will be playing Kanandi, who will be the main. Um, uh, uh, main cast alongside Michael Jordan. So, oh, excuse me, Michael B. Jordan. So many Michael Jordans right here. I don't want to get So, so yeah, I'm excited for this project. You know, anything Denzel and Michael B. Jordan attached is probably going to be made all the way through. Again, congrats to Shante Adams for uh, yeah. getting this role. And this will be like a really, I think this will be a very cute role for sure. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Next story in the news, um, Brandy Evans, Lettucey, and Broadwick Hunter among stars for Justy Smollett's B-Boy Blues. That's right. Justy Smollett. He's out here. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, B-Boy Blues, um, the feature directorial debut for Justy Smollett, um, has set the cast. Okay, sir. Okay. So... <laughs> So um, it includes Landon G. Woodson, who will play Gene, Michael Jackson Jr., who will play B.D. I don't believe that is any relation to the Michael Jackson. Oh, I was about to say, wait, what? <laughs> I don't think so. Also, I, I don't think like, it is process. <laughs> but again, anything is possible. Um, yes. So uh, Marquise Wilson will play uh, Babyface. Jabari Red will play D.C., and Brian Lucas and a whole list of um, other folks who will be joining the cast. Again, Let Us See will be there as well. Um, I want to make sure, hold on one second. Okay, so the novel, um, hilariously and heartbreakingly, explores the love and life of a middle-class, politically conscious magazine director, Mitchell Crawford, and a Harlem-born and bred roughneck bike messenger, Raheem. So... We're going to follow their love story. Uh, Smollett will be directing. Um, So this was actually an exclusive that Smollett shared with um, Shadow and Axe, but he said, like so many same-gendered loving Black men, B-Boy Blues was and continues to be a story that hits home for me in ways that not many people truly understand. With that said, it's truly a universal story about Black 
on Black Love. I couldn't be more psyched to have this project be my feature film directorial debut, to have someone as iconic as James Earl Hardy trust me to bring his vision to life is an honor and I don't take it lightly. So yeah, they're moving forward. Um, as we all know, Jesse Smollett, you know, has some issues over in Chicago with the incident where um, he claimed that, you know, he was attacked by Trump supporters and MAGA, uh, MAGA supporters. Um, this evolved into the craziest story I ever heard with the Chicago in police in life. Still don't understand it. Um, basically saying that he set the whole thing up. He paid Nigerian actors. I guess he knew from Empire. I'm like twin stage, brothers or something. Yeah, staged the whole thing and to make a sort of thing. And it was all for a publicity stunt. Um, the whole story, like sounds the stupid. whole story just sounds really crazy. Um, I know people will probably think I'm crazy, but I kind of still believe Jesse. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just don't see why he would do all that. I just don't see why he would do all that. Also, I don't. Yeah, a lot of publicity. Trust, yeah, for me. I just do not trust the Chicago police. I don't really trust the police in general. But given your history, <laughs> y'all don't be hey. telling the truth. Though. So, listen, be lying on skin folk. The the whole story both ways just sound crazy and ridiculous. I personally, I'm glad he's out here working and moving forward and pushing past this incident and giving us some art and i look forward to um b-boy blues i love some um black boy joy love i love all of it i'm gonna watch it and support it and if it's done well kudos to him you know and he's coming back so mm -hmm. i don't have any problems with it i'm sure there's a whole host of people who are gonna be like how can you whoop de woo i'm like i said what i said i said what i said so yeah and that's just fact and, i mean you know, excellent factual honestly honestly and let us see i mean if there's singing involved my god <laughs> it's, gonna, there. it's gonna be amazing and beautiful so yeah congrats to all of those who are involved with this project hopefully again it will uh see the light of day and hopefully be released depending on you know where we are with COVID. since mm. it feels like we in the third wave of this bitch but you know that's another mm -hmm. uh, that's another news story hallelujah um, we're going to keep it to the business. Now, uh, the last story, um, that we are going to highlight today. Um, I didn't know this was a real life beef. Yeah. Um, according to Shadow and Act, Tyler Perry talks about mending his feud with Spike Lee. So wonderful thing. They mended the feud. I did not know there was a feud to begin with. Right. But when did the feud ignite? <laughs> I was like, so um, I'm going to go through the article and uh, Tyler Perry, um, this was first reported in a profile that Variety did for him since uh, they were celebrating him as showman of the year. Um, if you guys didn't know, Tyler Perry, I mean, he's, he's the only black owned like movie studio Period. Huge. <laughs> Period. Um, huge major studio in Atlanta. He's been making his films, his plays television shows for years um he has a great story from beginning to you know beginning to now super yeah, super inspiring. it's really great um i personally um like some of tyler perry's stuff not all of it and you some. know 
Some are good. Um, yeah. Some are good. Um, I prefer things like continuity, things like good wigs. Maybe I'm just losing. <laughs> but those are the things that I like <laughs> when I watch TV. I like good wigs too. Sometimes it's hit or miss in Tyler Perry stuff. And that's okay. That diamond black woman though. That was a Unmatched. classic. Period. Unmatched. It's a classic. I will say Unmatched. that. Match. Yep. Soundtrack yep. and all it. Yeah. Unmatched. I will say, I will give you, I will give you credit, sir. <laughs> Good sir. So uh coming back to, you know, basically, so in 2009, um, well, okay, let me bring it back. So in this variety profile on him, since they were celebrating him, um, he talked about, you know, how he felt about you know, Spike Lee criticizing his work. And this was back in 2009 when mm-hmm. it, I guess it was reported uh, in, in the public, publicly scrutinizing it. And um, they referred to um, Lee calling, I believe, Tyler Perry's work, coonery and buffoonery. Woo! Coonery and that is that's funny as hell. That's funny. That's funny as hell. And to be fair, that's a criticism. That is that is so spikely. Like you just say it. (laughs) Dang, you have to say that in public, Jesus. Sound like something you would say. (laughs) Like I'm sure we were. Buffoonery. <laughs> and buffoonery and honestly this is a critique i think a lot of people have had of tyler perry's work right feeling yeah. like they kind of embody old stereotypes particularly you know medea and all that stuff um so yeah so tyler perry talked about it and you know he was honest he was just basically like yeah that it stung because i respect and admire spike lee's work you know what i mean and mm-hmm. people's you know people's people's opinions are their opinion, but it's like, you know, a well-respected director that you've seen, you know, iconic, like, if Ava DuVernay ever looked at my work and said that shit was coonery and buffoonery, to, I would, I think I would be in a depression for, like, a month. I would be like, oh my god! Not Ava! She don't like, but she know me and not like my work? God damn it, man! Like, I would, woo, it would take I would go through the whole, like, the seven stages of mourning, the whole thing. So, um, Perry, <laughs> I'll be finished. So, oh, my God. So, yeah. So, basically, um, Perry said that Lee called him after he watched the interview um, Oprah had did with Tyler Perry. I don't know how far back that was. And in the interview, um, Perry brought up the public argument that, um, Langston Hughes and Zora Neale Hurston had leading to Hughes to call Hurston a perfect darkie. Now I have to go back in history. I didn't know there was what a, the hell. I did not know this. I need to see googling immediately. Public school has failed us. I just I, I want to say that <laughs> I did not know Langston Hughes and Zora Neale Hurston had beef back in the day. I did not know he this. Called her that. Called her a perfect darky. I was like, God damn. So, so Perry referred to this, and you know, because he reached out and called Lee, you know, Spike Lee called Tyler Perry, and you know, he said, I opened the door. I said, Come in here so that 
so I can beat your ass, Perry said jokingly, adding that Lee replied, fair enough. <laughs> like, fair enough. So they had some fighting words, you know, Tyler Perry was joking, not joking, but joking, you know. Um, and basically he said that they sat down, had a conversation, and, you know, Spike Lee laid out his views as to why he thought that of his work, you know what I mean? And they, he heard what Tyler Perry had to say about his work, and you know, they came to the conclusion that both can exist in the same world, very different viewpoints, and everybody can respect each other. And that's just wonderful. I mean, that's just facts. You know what I mean? Everybody's gonna have a different point of view. It might not be the same, you know? And everybody's in the entertainment industry for different reasons. You know, even if you look at like, I don't know, if you look at hip hop, right? Some people are like, oh, we just want to have fun, da 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 da. And some people are like, uh, we need to be conscious. Like, there are all these things that are happening yeah. that we need to be talking about, right? And so, why not have both? <laughs> why not have it yeah, all? Both, you know are I mean? both serve different moods. Exactly. You know what I mean? So, I'm glad that these sort of like, you know, Black creative juggernauts could like honestly have an open and honest conversation. Like, not just be like in the public like ah coonery and buffoonery but like honestly spike lee was like you know i'm gonna say it to your face you know what i mean and not in a like hateful way but i'm sure there was something where he saw perry in that oprah interview where tyler perry opened up about the fact that they had that dispute and how much a lot of times i don't feel like a lot of people understand the words that they say have power and really influence other people Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so even though he, you know, he said what he said and he meant what he said, maybe he didn't understand the sort of influence that really had on Tyler and how that, you know, it hurts. You know what I mean? It hurts when you're an artist and you make work and then people tear it down and they're like, this is some garbage. And then it comes from like someone respected in your community. Like I, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't imagine, but there have been like times where Spike Lee has said some reckless shit. I mean, you know, about other directors, other black directors as well. So got no filter. That man is from You go and say what he said. Um, I'm glad that they were able to sit down again and like really yeah. agree to disagree or have a conversation about it and really move forward to where they're both fucking juggernauts in this entertainment industry, black or not. Like they just they've cemented yeah. their themselves when it comes to directors creators and writers and doing what we want to do you know what i mean we want to submit ourselves to history like i don't want to be as well known as tyler perry honestly i don't um just because i just he is way too famous <laughs> no too famous i'm just like keep the fame send the checks you know what i mean like yeah, check, yeah. checks i'll take but fame, yeah. fame? Mm-mm. i don't want nobody to care about shit that i do or did not do please Mm-mm. it's not that deep um so yeah so happy that feud is uh settled although i don't know it would be great if there could be a versus like just movie scenes like where they just drop their famous <laughs> movie scenes back and forth and like people are just like y'all remember that from do the right thing it's like ah, oh, medea classic <laughs> like yeah so I think in a versus thing, Spike Lee would win. But that is just... Oh, yeah. Just play um, Malcolm X. <laughs> oh, my God. That whole entire and film. And then we'll be sad. That whole we'll entire film. Oh, my put God. The whole thing up there. Oh, the five bloods. Oh. Just put that whole thing up oh, there. Oh, my God. Crooklyn? Girl, bye. I 
fucking love Crooklyn. Anyways, so yeah, I'm glad that these two juggernauts could come together, understand that, you know, there's room for both of them. And honestly, there's room for much more. <laughs> so, so much more. Exactly. Um, in the industry, exactly. it needs to happen. Our stories need to be told. And yeah, um, with that, we're going to take a quick break and come back with the main segment. Hello, y'all. So mm-hmm. after that wonderful news story moderated by Judith, uh-huh. we are going into the main segment, which mm-hmm. we said was going to be review, right? So we are reviewing mm-hmm. Bad Hair, mm-hmm. which was, I believe, written, I believe, directed and produced by Sir Justin Simeon. Mm-hmm. Um, came Oops. out on the 23rd of October, yep. which was um well, whenever by the time you hear this it'll be it'll be happening a couple days by the time you guys hear this mm-hmm. but yeah came out on the hulu mm-hmm. i remember we um talked about this in the news last year about this being a thing mm-hmm. so good to finally see that it came out finally yes. i mean i feel like they filmed this for a while ago yep um so yeah it's a part of Halloween because it's supposed to be scary but i'll get into that later <laughs> um so yeah it is I think a horror movie. <laughs> they describe I it as a horror comedy. It's a horror, okay. So mm-hmm. very horror comedy type film mm-hmm. by uh, the talented Justin Simeon. And it is, let me just get into the log one for you guys. So it's based in the 80s, in 1989. Loved the world that was created, by the way. Oh, good. Um, in 1989, an ambitious young woman gets a weave. You guys don't know what that is. I don't know what's wrong with you. That's some tricks, girl. She got some tricks, okay? She got some tricks in order to succeed in the image-obsessed world of music television. However, her flourishing career may come at a great cost when she realizes that her new hair may have a mind of its own. Yeah. Okay. So you have <laughs> Elaine as the lead, who is Anna Blitz. So Elaine, I believe, is an insecure. She played Issa's really weird neighbor, I think. Yeah. She yeah. killed that part. Yep. So glad to see her moving on to a leading role, sis. Hey. Um, Jay Farrell as Julius James Vanderbeek yep. as Grant Madison. Who was that? Was that the white dude? Yeah, that so he owned, owned the, the whole network. And so he at also the end, owns the hair. Yep, so it came like really weirdly full circle. I'm not going to admit that I understand that full thing. I think it was connected to another I didn't either. But yeah, he he owns basically the network that they work at. Okay, so he mm-hmm. owns their uh, station. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ashley Blaine Featherson as Rosalind, which I believe was Vanessa Williams' assistant, Lena Waithe, so funny, so uh, Brooklyn, Yanni King, oh, I, we messed up her name last week, chat. I know, I'll forgive us. Y- Yanni King Munchen. Mm-hmm. This is so glad to, to, to see you again, sis. Ah, um, Judith Scott as Edna, Vanessa Judith. Williams as Zora, Kelly Rowland killed it as Sandra Usher. I mean, oh my baby as okay. D. Blair Underwood looking still fine with the full gray as Amos Bloodson and Laverne Cox as the witch virgin you're definitely a witch my <laughs> witch hairstylist child you gotta be careful who you letting your hair God damn, like. so many so many things unpacked in this Woo! movie so mm-hmm. 
let's just do our initial reaction. So I watched it twice because the first Ooh. time I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> that is why I had to watch it twice. Yeah. I, I was also tired and it was like um, the last thing I did for the night. It was like in the middle yeah. of the night I watched it for the first time. <laughs> So maybe that ate it. Well, I was like, what is going on right now? Um, <laughs> so I watched it again the next night. And I was like, oh, okay. So getting some things that did not make sense to me the first mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I loved, first of all, the cinematography was great. Can we talk Perfect. about, I love the graininess. I love the film aspect. And when I mean film, I mean like film camera, that look of yes. like a lens or something. Yeah. It is a film, but. If you if y'all know me and y'all know, um, but I love like the film look yeah. of the way it was shot. There were great scenes, like mm-hmm. or great shots, like the one where in the beginning Anna was doing her interview with Zora. It was supposed to be like a meet and greet thing, but she was like a girlfriend interview, and she was doing her interview with Zora, and it was the camera was just spinning in a mm-hmm. circle as she yes. explained her idea, yes. and each time it got Vanessa Williams, like her hair had been moved to a different place kind of showing, foreshadowing that Vanessa Williams had been to Virgie's too, and her hair was, you know, doing its own do. Um, so yeah, I thought the the directing was great. Love the shots. Love yeah. just the way it looked, first and foremost. Yeah. Um, great casting. Oh my god. Hello. Can we talk about the stars came oh, out what? for this movie? I said, we've got Usher. I'm gonna find a soundtrack. I need to find a soundtrack. Yes. Yes. Kelly Great Rowland. original songs by Kelly Rowland. Like, I wish that was a thing. I wish she was a thing in the 80s. Um, Come on. Her voice is beautiful against those 80 tracks. Those 80s oh, scenes. my gosh. Um, so good. So great casting. Loved the cameo by Robin Thee. I thought she was okay. playing in her little five minutes. So funny. What else did I like? So, yeah, I liked the message, too. I did like what he was trying to say. Yeah. Do feel some parts I was like, oh no. <laughs> I was like, uh-uh. Because yeah. I also am a horror girl. Mm-hmm. So if you're telling me horror comedy, it still needs to be horror up in there. Yeah. Like yeah. it just wasn't enough of the horror for me. That's Fair why enough. I was like kind of confused as to what it was really supposed to be. Mm. Um, which I think I said that earlier. So if you're telling me horror comedy, I need to see, like, Get Out or something. So, like, I think Jordan Peele obviously is killing it in that genre of making movies that say something about the community that he is a part of. Mm-hmm. But they're also really great horror movies in general. Yeah. And there's also, like, he does add, not in Us, there was nothing funny in Us, but in Get Out. Nope. Um, I do think there was some great, like, satire-like moments that he mixed in there. Like the satire yeah. was just really good. And I think Justin was trying to do that, mm-hmm. but in some ways it missed the mark. Mm-hmm. But I love the story. Like I love what he was trying to say. It's yeah. a good era that I didn't really think about. Like I never really thought about when did someone's become like a thing? Like I don't think yeah. about that a lot. Yeah. And I'm glad he was able to capture that moment in time where like you know, black and white are starting to want to climb the corporate ladder and like they're starting to straighten their hair and wear weaves and sew-ins and shit. So yeah. it's just a great, a great um, social commentary, I guess, that yeah. the, the movie is about. So I love, love, love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also love the world that he set up too. So it was just, it felt like it was 
sometimes you just watch movies and it's like, dang, like, he set up an entire scene, like a whole different world for us. Like, I feel like I was in the 80s working for culture, cult, whatever the fuck the shit ended up being called. (laughs) I felt like I was an employee there. He really set up a great world and it was very fun. But I mean, some parts I was like, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) And I was like, so it was good overall. But there are some things I think the execution was off and I couldn't place my finger on what exactly it was. But yeah. some parts of the execution felt off to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's no. my overall. No, I agree. The premise, I love the premise, the idea of a killer weave. And I, re- I remember hearing him talking about that idea. There's actually like uh, different horror genres in Korean films. And this is like actually a oh, specific... Yes. A genre where like basically you put on a wig and it like changes you into somebody else and you start killing people or whatever the fuck i didn't watch we like that so I, me too i'm like now i gotta look at these because i know y'all crazy i know these movies are crazy <laughs> but you know the very fact that he could be inspired by that genre and make it very mm-hmm. much realistic in something that i felt kind of too close to right like i remember getting that that opening scene with that box perm and it's left in a little too long and you have that blister on your head you know what i mean so i love the idea of listening to women's honestly black women's horror stories of their hair and usually Mm -hmm. for us it's like oh such a bad hair day type of thing but when you think about it it's kind of horrific the things that black women have to do to their bodies they're like black people in general like the things we like you know i work with uh, another be uh, accepted like another host (laughs) right i work with another host his name is brandon kyle goodman he's really dope um but he he makes mention a lot in his podcast that you know the mental (laughs) gymnastics black people have to do just to survive in the world that we live in when everything our body, our minds, our spirits are always under attack in some way or criticized or ridiculed or whatever. And the very fact that we have, like, it's naturally accepted that we put, like, fucking poison in our hair (laughs) to get it straight, like, little girls. And the uh, ramifications of surviving, like, the shit that has done, like, it's normal, like, the the, the very term tender-headed is, like, a gaslighting like to me a gaslighting term it's just like girl you're just so sensitive oh, yeah. meanwhile they pulling rakes through your hair and just pulling you left and right like no sense of like you can't just i'm a human being under here like my scalp matters like my god jesus and it's just like the things that we accept you know just to have a certain look to be more acceptable i think was really captured very well there was one scene where uh virgie who's played by lauren uh, excuse me, Laverne Cox. Let me get it together. <laughs> Laverne. Laverne Cox, um, where Justin did a great job of zooming in on the needle going close to the scalp and tightening around the hair and her scar. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, I don't know why my body was like, <gasps> like, I just immediately remember getting my first weave and it being tight as fuck. And I'm patting my head and I'm looking for sharp objects to put in my head so it won't fuck up the actual weave but my scalp is motherfucking on fire like it's just it's so crazy how like 
I process that information as well. Oh, this is just what we do to have good looking hair to really, these are like horrific fucking stories that have just been made normalized. You know what I mean? So I thought that was very interesting. And that's not to, again, that's not to attack anyone who still gets perms, who still, you know, gets weaves. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just to point to the story of how, we had to get used to just the harm done to us to get our hair to a certain place and form. You know what I mean? Like, the, it's, it's, just, it's just wild. So I'm glad that he kind of capitalized on that idea. Really loved, again, the world. I mean, the 80s. My God. Lena Waithe and those Dookie braids. Like, yes. I loved it. Oh, God. She I was lo- freaking hilarious. <laughs> She's one of the best characters in there. Um, I love the different sort of uh, narrative of, like, DJs that they... Um, that, and this is... For those of you who don't know what DJs are, those are video jocks. And there's I know there's a whole generation that don't watch... MTV, the way I watched MTV, there was a show called Total uh, Request Live where there were countdowns yeah, yeah. and like to video. At least no 106 in part. 106, in, please, like, God. But yes, yeah, so like just that world and trying to work in that world and the importance of the way you look, right? What you exude, like it's important. And it kind of gave that motivation, especially for the main character you can understand why she would do it. And like, it's, it's not like it's other people are not doing that as well. Right. A whole bunch of people were getting perms. A whole bunch of people were getting, you know, weaves at the time that was the standard. There was like, like past oh, yeah. the seventies, nobody was wearing their hair natural. For what? Yeah, so you were <laughs> talked about. You, you were definitely talked about. And if you weren't doing spoken word, then they didn't understand why you have natural <laughs> hair. Like truly. Like, why so, is your hair like, not done? <laughs> Excuse me, it is done. It's, this is the way it's grown. <laughs> My lord. So yeah, it was such a such an interesting time. But like, yeah, I think he captured that time very well. And I think he made the world a smart world in making it around like television and music and sort of the like the visual mm-hmm. aspect of it. Um, brilliant to have Usher and Kelly Rowland in there. <laughs> Kelly Rowland with an amazing character. I loved her character, like this Janet Jackson. Mm-hmm inspired like artists and when she got I mean she got all the moves I was like ah work work and it was like oh it was so good it was so good um so so killing it and yeah I would have a have to agree I appreciated the camp because I'm not a horror person so I needed something to be like oh I'm safe um the jump scare I am the horror person I needed to really be horror all the places that, like, I'm sure Justin wanted someone to scream, I absolutely screamed. Every part that I thought was disgusting, I almost upchucked. Like, it was just, I just did. There were moments where when they showed the hair coming to life and taking over, and, like, the first time she had a paper cut, y'all see this hair move inside the paper cut. Yeah, I, I, wanted, I wanted to jump outside of my skin. I wanted to take off my flesh, jump out, come back in, zip myself back up and be like, what the fuck is that? Like, it was just so ugh, creepy crawly. And um, I appreciated it. And then there were parts where it's just like, I don't, I don't need this. Like the hair drinking the blood from menstruation <laughs> didn't need it. I was like, yeah, like uh, uh, it did have an effect. So I'm sure it was this achievable effect, but I was just like, oh, 
disgusting. Um, I don't need that in my life. Woo! I was like, throw the whole weave away, sis. I would have been cutting that thing off immediately. I was like, nope. I would just shave my head. That's the whole thing. To- that's the one thing I'll figure out the entire movie. Why don't they just shave their heads, child? It's not worth it. it. It was not worth it. Um, and then oh, there was one thing I wanted to say. Oh, the one part that I did get lost within, and I'm gonna actually watch it again. I think there was some deep symbolism to the folklore that was brought up. Um, mm-hmm. Blair Underwood's character, who plays a professor and the uncle of the main character, um, basically going to some stories of. Um, you know, black folklore of hair and the story of a woman on a plantation trying to be beautiful. And there's this moss that she attaches to her hair that it then turns and I think kills the plantation owner. I could be wrong. Um, yeah. I, the I hair had, of witches. yes, the hair of witches and sort of that magic sort of connected back to black culture. Um, I had a hard time connecting it back to her story specifically in terms of how her hair was kind of, I, I knew there was a connection, but I just had a hard time pl- connecting yeah. her to that particular story, if that made sense. Um, so I have to you go. Know, the only thing I could think of was that the white man who owned the station was also, and it was real, he owned, I don't know what it was, the place where they got the hair. I don't know. Right. <laughs> no. I don't know, but they yeah, went back to connection. some plantation. And you saw that white man that owned the station mm-hmm. there at the plantation giving orders. So I was like, I don't, because I was about to say the place where the hair is grown, but hair didn't grow. Nope. I mean, it's grown, but not yeah. on a farm. So Right. And they were, collect- it was weird because at the end they were collecting the hair. Like all the hair that they had like, I guess, taken out of their head, they were collecting it and like they had it attached to the yeah. tree. So I was like, um... I know that the story that they were talking about, there's a connection here, but it was hard to connect it in the world, in the world that Justin had built. That was my only, only place that I got um, a little bit lost, but I also am not a horror person. It it might take me a couple of times to be like, oh, okay, I see what you did. Okay, you deep, you deep. (laughs) So like, if it's not plain to me, I'm like, I don't get it. It's over my head. It doesn't mean it's not good. Um, so yeah, I would love to get other people's, yeah, opinion on that. But overall, I thought it was really good. I'll probably watch it again. And I like the campiness of it. And like, again, the stars, like Vanessa Williams, my God, (laughs) everybody in here was so good. Yeah. Loved everyone. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. So that was our overall, Mm -hmm. um, characters. Um, I mean, I like the cast, so it was hard for me to say, oh, I didn't like the characters because I love the cast. Yeah. thought everyone did a good job, liked the different characters. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say I, li- I like the characters. I think they populated the story well. Mm-hmm. There was, well, no, yeah, I like the characters. I'm trying to think yeah. if there's anything. No, I, I like the characters because I like the world that he built, and I feel like yeah. everyone had their their place and yeah. no one was like forgettable to me so yeah good characters overall yeah good i agree characters. with you i believe everyone was necessary in their roles or was it someone where it was just like oh we didn't need this character at all um i think um you know l lorraine did a great job of this being her first feature and being the lead <laughs> of it i think she did a great job 
and hopefully we'll definitely see more from her. I think Jay Farrell embodied the 80s fuckboy very well. Um, <laughs> I think Vanessa Williams, she plays, well. she, she plays a ball, like she stay playing boss mouses and it makes sense because <laughs> when she walks into the room, well. I'm like, I'm just waiting for her orders. What, what do you need? Yes. I'll be back. <laughs> like, what do you, what's the next? Yes. Correct. That is correct. So yeah, she did okay. a great, a great job with that. And it kind of was cool to see her in this like kind of dark, creepy kind of kind of mode at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, my favorite character was Lena Waite's character for sure. She played Brooklyn. She had oh yeah. Braids. And my was, favorite, yeah. Oh my God. There was a part, the campy part came in where she was like, they, her and the main character, Anna Bledsoe, who um, is played by Elle, like they were trying to escape from another weave and <laughs> Brooklyn had another weave on and she was like, you got your weave done at Virgil? She was like, no, I didn't get Virgil to do my hair. Are you kidding me? That was $450. I got some 250 from somewhere else. I was like, I know that's right. Cause I was like, sis, I am not walking in here trying to convince someone for a damn near $500 weave. Like you got me fucked up. Like exactly. answer is no. <laughs> so, um, Lena Way's character was basically the only one that didn't get her weave done by this, uh, the character Virgie, because she done put some spells and some mm-hmm. voodoo, some voodoo in it. And um, again, these crazy weaves have the mind of their own. But I love Lena's character because she, even when she almost, I mean, I think she did die. Um, <laughs> she did. It was, it was funny. <laughs> like, it was like, okay, this was, this oh, was yeah, hilarious. Yep. <laughs> So yeah, so the yeah. characters, I think they all did a good job and cameos were not um, wasted and everyone's oh, role no. was well, like the casting director. Yeah, great job. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great, great job. Great characters. Like you said, everyone had their own role and they played it well. And I can't say that anything was missing character-wise. Mm-hmm. So, so good, good job there. Um, writing writing I mean I thought it was was good I mean there were things that I guess didn't execute well so like the thing that you were talking about earlier like just not understanding the plot being like full circle because you know how things are supposed to come full circle most of the time not understanding how certain certain things like fit in um I guess would that go into writing yeah I guess that going into writing in terms of like putting the plot together so there are parts where I was kind of confused that's why the second time I watched it I was like oh okay so I think it is something that you have to watch multiple times I guess to get the full picture Mm -hmm. um and I don't know if that's good or bad I don't know Mm -hmm. I mean I guess it's up to you if you feel like it is but um yeah, overall, I mean, Justin's a great writer, so yeah. I can't say I love him. The writing wasn't good. He's a good writer. Yeah. I, like, period, enjoy his writing all the time, yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, I just think some parts of the execution just, like, need to connect, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I think the writing was well done, and you could tell that because just like with any script, the script is the uh, blueprint to your movie slash TV series, and Mm -hmm. 
like the just from the world building you could tell it's fucking great writing like we know where we are we understand you know the characters we like it's clear every way in that sense and the only downfall i could see again was having a hard time connecting back to the folk um story that was um put in the show so that could be one Mm -hmm. little downturn for the writing um but yeah other than that, it was great. Yeah. It, it seemed yeah. like that was supposed to be prominent, but I was having trouble too, like figuring out how. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it have to do? Like, I think you like really said the same exact thing. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be prominent, but I was like, I don't, I'm not seeing where. Yeah. <laughs> where I should connect it in my head, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Third time's the charm. <laughs> and hey. I think I'll probably understand everything that I made. But. Right, right. Completely agree. Yep. And then, uh-huh. oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, girl. No, yeah. I mean, writing uh, the, the characters with the dialogue, I think you did a great job with that, like, in terms of... Oh, yeah. All the characters had different voices. You knew who they were. Like, it was really good. There's one line in there that was so good. So when Anna had just got done killing, her hair just got done killing somebody, mm-hmm. and she then ran into the natural hair salon trying to get it off, and then her ex-boss came and um, there was a young girl that was going to do her ex-boss's hair. She's on the phone and a young girl came back and she was like, girl, this um, surfing Venice nigga got me fucked up. She said some shit like that. <laughs> and um, that the funny. older hairstylist was said something like, you let him colonize your shit or something, just something like that. And I was like, just. Just a great line. Don't let him colonize your shit. So funny. And that hairdresser was MC Light. So the one that was trying to really that was MC Light. The older one that said that. Yeah. Why did I not notice? No, my God. You wouldn't have noticed because MC Light looked. I mean, in that she looked much older than what she really looks like. Like she just looks. Okay, so she doesn't look that old in like right now at this point in time. Okay, but that's but like that's she might be that age, but MC, it's black. You know how black women age. Like it's just like Mm -hmm. every time I look at her, I'm like, you have been the same for at least fifty years. (laughs) At least fifty years on this earth, you have looked exactly the fucking same. Like how? (laughs) Like, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was that was a really, really, really cool cameo a line that i loved again came from lena waist character where she was like reporting when they had their their trl moment or whatever and they did the live version and they like they threw it to her in the streets and she was like yeah you know because i be with uh guys sometimes <laughs> sometimes in there i'm like ah. it was just so fucking funny i was just like really <laughs> it was a very meta joke because yeah i love it yeah, it was yeah. she had great, great lines. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like, she just had amazing lines. Um, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, dialogue's great, writing's great. Now, let's get into pacing. Mm. What did you think about the pacing? Well, I thought it went very well. Like, I didn't feel like it was too, too long. Um, I have to double check to see how long it actually was. So, for me, the pacing the pacing went well. Also, again, I'm, whenever I'm watching a horror, I'm always like, like, you know, when a cat's standing up and they like, <laughs> always on alert. <laughs> I feel like I'm a cat, like, waiting for some crazy shit to always happen. Yeah. 
So <laughs> with that, I was like, I, you know, I'm always like, oh, what's going to happen? I had to watch it during the day, y'all. I can't, I can't watch too many scary movies at night or my subconscious will, I will have the craziest dreams. I can't do it. So, um, so yeah, to me, I thought the pacing went well. I wanted to follow the story along. It could be that I just really loved the world. So I was in it. You know what I mean? I, I bought what he was selling. I was, I was like, here I am. Um, yeah. So I thought it didn't feel like there were some unnecessary scenes um again maybe i could have done without the folklore of it all um to me i don't even think it really needed that that extra story like the the whole plantation thing just her hair changing her into a killer is enough for me um yeah i i agree with that yeah um i I could yeah i could have i'm like oh okay um but I get the sort of deeper connection that might have needed to be made, quite frankly. Um, so yeah, I thought the pacing was well. I didn't feel like it was too long or there were some scenes that just needed, did not need to happen. Um, yeah, even the little scenes where it's like, there was one with Nicole Byer twice when she was leaving her apartment. <laughs> she was so fucking funny. But yeah, the cameo, yeah. She's so, so fucking hilarious. But just cameos and the pacing, I think they did like each scene didn't feel like it was a waste if that makes sense like it felt like it was each scene was necessary to building the story how did you feel about pacing yeah i agree i think there was definitely nothing that was wasted great length i mean for me sometimes i would get out of the story which Mm. usually with like horror i'm like sucked all the way in from start to finish yeah um but there were some times where it kind of lost me like it was a little bit of a lull but it would pick that up pick back up mm-hmm. as soon as her hair started killing somebody i was like okay we're back <laughs> <laughs> damn sis again shit i mean who else but um it was overall pretty good like everything meshed well together um i definitely agree with the unless you're gonna like make the reason for the folklore more more prominent so we could understand i could have did without it i mean like you said i would have believed that the hair was had a mind of its own without you telling me that in the folklore <laughs> I, yeah i don't need the folklore to believe that, that shit you know could happen because you are wearing like other people's energies like which was a line in there too like you're wearing other dead energies and you don't Ooh. know like you know when you actually get into it it's very deep actually it's like you don't know whose hair this belongs because this person could have been a freaking killer or something you don't know so it is it, it goes into that whole that whole kind of like ideology of thinking like that mm-hmm. the folklore it, yeah it wouldn't have mattered to me whether it was there or not but um everything else i think pacing was good all the scenes i don't think i don't see how the story could have went a different way in terms of order Right. Or scenes for it to be better. I mean, I think the way things went was good. Yeah. I could um, see where the climax was for sure. And there were like some, some twists and turns along the way that made it fun. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think pacing was good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. You could tell like they really had fun with this movie. Like all said and done, it looked like oh, yeah. if anything, I would. Oh, if God allowed me to be on set <laughs> and just 
you know, be the hair manager for all the wigs or whatever the fuck. Like, I know, I was encouraged to touch some wigs after that. It was, yeah, it definitely seemed like it was a fun set to be on for sure. For sure. And I mean, I guess like the campiness of it, I just had thought the campiness of it, I guess it's paying like homage to 80s. Oh, yeah. Which were very, very true. Well, except for which one came out? Um, the first Freddy. Them Freddies was all them bitches was just scary. Okay, can't mm. be or not. Them just look scary to me. Like Freddy <sighs> is terrifying. So, um, but I think it. Yeah, I guess he was trying to pay like homage to the eighties horror movies and how some of them could be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um, under the guise of horror. At least Not he true. said, like, hey, this is a horror comedy. While well, them horror movies were yeah. like, hey, we're supposed to be horror, so be scared. And I'm like. That look like ketchup. Okay. <laughs> Can we get some corn syrup? Some red corn syrup, please. Oh, when they had that scene where um the hair started to like fight back when she was trying to get it out of her head. And uh, yes. Edna and the you know the ladies who were trying to help her with the hair all got killed. Those jump cuts had me dying. Like it was just oh, like, like I was like, I know they did, but Justin, you ain't have to be so original with it that, you know, stay true to the, like, <laughs> the form of it. That's just jump cuts with them just hitting the ground, like, look, it, here it is. <laughs> that was funny to me. I was like, yeah, okay. blood on the head. <laughs> I said, you know what, sir? I think you're trying to be funny right now. I think you're trying to be funny right now. Uh, and it's working. Yeah, it's like... Mission accomplished because I'm laughing when I usually I am, am terrified. <laughs> oh, yeah, so it was definitely a fun ride, I would say. It was definitely yeah. a fun, fun ride. And I would definitely uh, encourage you guys to give it a whirl yeah. on the Hulu. And if you don't have Hulu, ask somebody for the AKF word for like a day and okay. watch it. Um, because yep. it's, it's just a fun ride. Um, sure. it's I guess it's it's horror-ish, so it's it's good for Halloween. Yeah. Like if you're like a horror buff at me, you won't be scared. But if you're like Judith, then it'll give you some jumps, which is good. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. shoot, because that's what we watch horror for anyway, is to be scared, yep. um, scared and confused. So, um, yeah, yeah, just yeah. give it a whirl, guys. Support Justin Simeon. He is an amazing artiste, and for anything sure. he puts out, you know, we're front in line to consume. So yeah, yeah. that's just facts. Actual factual chat. The end. Period. Point blank. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So with that, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna be back with niggas you should know. Hello, we back and hey. we black, y'all. That's mm, mm, mm. huge. You know how it is. All right. So it's our last segment, and we. As you all know, our last segment is Niggas You Should Know. And we highlight mm-hmm. um, whether it's writers, directors, actors, uh, you know, hairstylists, costume designers, people in the industry, uh, mostly black people, actually only black people because they niggas you should know. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we highlight them and give them their flowers um, based on their accomplishments or if they're doing something dope in the industry or whatever it may be, if we feel like, you know what, we just like you. So we're going to shout you out and just, you know, show you some love. 
So this week, uh, my nigga you should know is Elle Lorraine. If you don't know, we were talking about her all throughout the episode. She is the lead in Bad Hair. Um, and this is her first uh, lead role. Um, again, like Corey had mentioned, she was an Insecure and she was um, in Dear White People. So check out her, uh, her work. It's amazing. And just a little background mm-hmm. on her. I actually got this from an insider interview. They interviewed her and sat down with her to talk about uh, the premiere of this movie. And um, she was born and raised in Houston, Texas. So representing um you know when she was younger uh she was uh first raised by uh well her mother had her young so she leaned on her grandmother she was raised by her grandmother but Mm -hmm. um at the age of six her grandmother was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and passed away unfortunately but her aunt Um, stepped in and her aunt was only like 19 years older than her or excuse me 13 years only 13 years older than her. So her aunt was 19 and she was six and her aunt was like, let's do this. You know what I mean? So shout out to auntie. Um, Nothing that's beautiful. Um, As she grew up, like Lorraine was able to like flourish during, you know, for, oh, look at, look at Ernie, sorry. So Lorraine basically uh, was all about performing. And so she, she, um, was in the Houston esteemed high school for the performing arts. Um, this includes people, uh, alum like Robert Glasper, as well as the Beyonce. Um, <laughs> duh. Um, <laughs> the. So, um, and then later on, she went to uh, Chapman uh, University. And after graduating there, uh, she moved to LA and did so, sort of small theater stuff. Her roommate was Dime Davis. If you do not know who Dime Davis is, she's an amazing fucking director. Oh. Um, so yeah, they both were friends. Um, I, be- I could be wrong. I believe, well, I believe um, Justin Simeon went to Chapman University too, but I don't know if they connected that way or not. Um, but yeah, her friend, her, her friend Dime Davis, uh, I believe Dime was working at a uh uh advertising agency and i think lorraine worked there for a little bit of a time but basically they were friends who were like this is shitty (laughs) i hate this so much uh so they kind of bet on themselves created a web series and from the success of the web series they wrote a short film called sugar and it was written um and directed by davis and lorraine produced it and she started in the lead so um, if you don't know it, it, it follows a daughter coping with her mother who is living with Alzheimer's. So I'm going to try and find that short and see what it looked like. But yeah, so after uh, Sugar, um, the, that project was actually a part of directing workshop for women at the American Film Institute. Um, from there, they've, of course, continued to be friends. Um, Lorraine went on to do uh, Justin's uh, show, Dear White People. Um, Don Davis and Justin are like close friends. Um, so yeah, um, all that to say, and now Lorraine is out here flourishing <laughs> with her, you know, her, her movie, her directorial debut and directorial debut, forgive me, her acting feature <laughs> debut, forgive me. Um, and she had the nerve to also work on Insecure and on Boomerang and out here with multiple, I was like, I see you L. I see you L, Lorraine. Like, congrats to you well done like it also goes to show like you know there's something Issa Rae said like a lot of times we want to network up so we want to be assistant to somebody so that we can attach to them and go and those are great opportunities but a lot of times you have to quite frankly bet on yourself and work with your Mm -hmm. peers around you because 
looking at all three of their careers like you know grow together it's amazing it's amazing to see everyone connected to l lorraine be successful and also her get her shine so shout out to you l lorraine you did a great great job in being the lead in bad hair like i loved how Mm -hmm. she portrayed the character someone who's like fighting for their dream but still very insecure and trying to figure out their space and you know sometimes we Mm -hmm. do things so because we want that dream so bad and we're we're only using the resources that we know that we can you know even though it can be bad for us so I think she 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 did a great job with that. I can't wait to see her in more stuff. And y'all should check her out in Bad Hair again. My nigga, you should know Elle Lorraine. Well done, sis. Continue to get your coins. Make sure they're giving you the right checks over there. Because you know Hollywood ain't shit. So, yeah. No, they be playing. Too much. Whew. Okay. So, yeah, shout out to Elle Lorraine. She killed that. Kills yeah. every role I see her in. So, mm-hmm. So excited to see your trajectory, sis. My um, girl that I'm going to highlight today is Ashley Blaine Everson. So y'all may know her from Dear White People as well. She also was the co-creator and star of a show called Hello Cupid that was on Black and Sexy TV. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. So yeah, she was a co-creator and star of that and I'm just going to read her little bio, too, because this is just some interesting tidbits. Whoever wrote, because, you know, anybody can go on Wikipedia and write stuff. Whoever wrote this is just hilarious. They just put things randomly together, and I found some things funny, the way they put it <laughs> together. So they said, Featherston is from Maryland and grew up in a predominantly white community. Okay. Like, why is that the first sentence? Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, so she first acted at age four in a school production and enjoyed it from that age. Okay. When she was 14, she began to perform at the Studio Theater in Washington, D.C. and studied under costume designer Reggie Ray. Love that name, Reggie Ray. Um, so she attended Howard, shout out to HU, and graduated from the oh. Fine Arts Department, where she majored in musical theater. She's also an AKA. Um, she has stated, so this is Fun. She stated that she most admires the career and work of Vanessa Williams. Oh, wow! She just starred alongside Vanessa on. Williams in Bad Hair, which is what we're talking about. Oh, so look at that. She'll just put you right in front of the people that you admire. So mm. I think that's so amazing that she got to work with someone that she, you know, really admires and probably inspired her for, on her own career. So shout out to her. That's amazing. So Apparently, she co-created Hello Cupid with Lena Waithe back in 2012. Oh, okay. Um, so that goes with things that you're saying with your peers, kind of working um, your way up with your peers. Um, and her first feature, so she was in the Dear White People movie, and then yep. she then moved to the Netflix show, if you guys yep. don't know, the show's on Netflix. And she co-starred in the web series Willamette Park which mm-hmm. came out in 2018, premiered at Sundance, and she appeared in the recreation of Photograph of Great Dane Harlem, which is like that big picture that all the uh, Black Netflix stars took. Yep. Um, I, that, yeah, yeah, yeah that all the Black Netflix stars took. So shout out to her. I love that picture. And she collaborated with The Lip Bar, which is a really cool um, makeup brand. I believe it's um, by a Black woman. Mm-hmm. And she also helped develop a three-piece collection for dark-skinned women with minted cosmetics. So Ooh, that's amazing I'm, too. I'm buying it immediately. Her skin is like fucking amazing. I'm just like flawless. This flawless. 
list and we stand a multifaceted queen who oh does God. all the things okay Period. so if she she can do entertainment she can do business she can do marketing she can do modeling she can develop products okay do not sleep so mm-hmm. just wanted to highlight all the different things that she's doing um i absolutely love her like i said beautiful skin beautiful woman so talented and can't wait to see ernie what else she does you know as she moves throughout her career it seems like you know everyone is popping off and i love to see it yes shout out to you miss ashley blaine featherson yes well deserved and yeah with that that is um yeah that is the end of episode 53 of tinseltown tea uh follow us on all the things on social media we are on instagram at tinseltown tea we're on facebook at tinseltown tea we are on twitter at tinseltown tea we also have a gmail where it's tinseltown tea at gmail.com hit us up Mm -hmm. let us know your thoughts even in the comments you know you guys are really engaging us on social media thank you shout out to Corey, who does a great job of um posting up the content i try and keep up and make sure i actually make some assets for you girls um (laughs) the the social media world but it's great because we're definitely seeing a rise in people listening a rise in support Mm -hmm. uh, a rise in reaching out and collaboration so thank you thank you all so so much i'm gonna plug we are working on an ebook yeah So yeah, we are working on an ebook to kind of put all the resources that we've been learning so far in the voice of two black women trying to, you know, get in that writer's room. I think it's a great perspective. Mm -hmm. So that way people who are reading know that, you know, as we are all in this journey together and the more all of us succeed, the more we all can succeed together. You know what I mean? So exactly. Yeah. And yeah, if I can save anyone from all the student loan debt that I have incurred from going to school. I would, I would do that. <laughs> Just buy the ebook. Don't waste money on student loans. Go back to school if you can. If that is the way you need to go, please do that. If not, yeah, if you watch can, out for our ebook coming out so sis, because yes. they're yes. real. Student loans are real. And uh, yeah, yes. is there anything, anything you want to add, Corey? I'm sure I probably forgot a couple of things. No. I think that's it. Definitely follow some social, like Judith said. Thank you for the engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for listening. Also, get the ebook when we drop it. Working on it now. Yep. Um, continue to uh, watch the episodes on YouTube if you want to watch them. Oh, yeah. Those, yep. We put those up there literally just for the people who like to watch podcast uh, mm-hmm. episodes instead of listen, which there are people like that these days. So, Mm-hmm. go have at it all that um what else yeah and we also will be working on a survey for you guys just oh, about yeah. the show um like we said before we will take um constructive things into uh into play so if you're saying something we definitely will be listening but we're, I mean we're not going to listen to everything because that's just with anything that you work on just you have to discern what advice is, is needed and what and what isn't needed. But all advice is appreciated um, mm-hmm. because that's how you get better. You need advice. So yeah. look out for that. Not sure how we're going to drop that yet. Maybe through yes. Instagram, maybe just for listeners. Right. But we will let you know. Keep listening. Yeah. We'll keep you updated with that survey. But yep, that's all I got. Yep. I'm over here fighting this puppy. <laughs> I know. Are you making his debut? Well, he's been making, he's been on the show for so long. 
so long with y'all. Amen. All right, y'all. With that, we will see you next time. Take care, y'all. Bye, Ernie says bye. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. Bye, y'all.